Hey kids, it's Rob. You might know me. While I'm currently wallowing in sadness over the lack of new thumb wars, I figured I would hijack the start of this week's KOV. KOV? Kids of Victory? Oh, Knights of it. Oh, that was a mistake on my part. Anyway, take a moment of respite to free yourself from the inundation of Baby Yoda and use your Disney Plus access to play a truly glorious film, Pixel Perfect. Not only should you watch it once, but you should let it play continuously as you go about your daily and nightly activities. Crank the volume, jam out to the Zeta Bytes, and write a letter to your congressperson regarding how much the world loves and needs Pixel Perfect. And if you're wondering, infatuation with Roscoe and Loretta Modern is certainly a communicable disease. So sneeze on your friends! What do you mean that's not gonna play well? One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagan's. We can't truly prepare A big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is December 1st, 2019. My name is Zach Weber. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to have a brief announcement about Knights of Vader t-shirts. If you're interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt, we have all sorts of designs. We have the Remember Alderaan, Vader and Friends, Past Meets Present, some of our logos from over the years. If you're interested in that, check the show notes. And you too will be able to own a Knights of Vader t-shirt, perfect for a Rise of Skywalker opening night showing. As of now, the t-shirts are $20 each. That includes shipping, but that we're running a quote-unquote promotion that we'll be only offering them for $20 each until the Rise of Skywalker comes out. And then beginning in the new year, 2020, we'll be raising the price to $22, including shipping. So if you want to get a cool-looking t-shirt that you're guaranteed to be the only person in your most likely state that will have one, buy a Knights of Vader t-shirt today. Do not hesitate. And with that being said, moving on to the titular topic. You guessed it, folks. Book review time! But maybe I was able to trick a couple of more of you into listening to this because I'm not putting the words book in the title. See, I'm going to try to trick you. You're going to hear this go, aha, he got me! Now I'm forced to listen to the whole thing. But in all seriousness, though, I want to thank everybody who does listen to the book review episodes because uh, the download show, most of you don't. And to the dozen of you who appreciate them, I thank you for putting up with me and my stream of consciousness nonsense. But by the title of this week's episode, I am going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, there's not really much to spoil in this book, so I don't think there's a spoiler warning unless you want to read the book yourself. So I'm just going to be willy-nilly. There's really – I don't think there's anything in this that's going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. Uh, but for those of you who want to read this yourselves, I don't know – again, don't listen to this or just – I don't know why you clicked on it then. But hey, here we are. First, I'll give my initial thoughts. I enjoyed this book. It's uh, by no means a, a must-read book of the new canon, though. It's a fun, very, very brisk story. There's there's a lot going on, but it's paced very, very fast. Like at one point, I was like 100 pages into this book, and I'm like, oh my god! Like 
I, I, I kind of like read it in the span of like an hour. It's one of those books that just kind of flew by. Uh, even uh, Galaxy of Fear didn't go this quick, and most of those books are only like a hundred pages long, give or take. Uh, but yeah, this is a rather light book. There's not a lot to it in the sense of uh, Star Wars lore. There's no heavy. Okay, there's not a lot of major stuff going on, even though there is a lot of. Okay, this is a really. It's funny. As I was preparing for this episode, I was kind of having a hard time how I wanted to tackle this book. Because it's weird that when they were, I think it was at one, I think it was at Star Wars Celebration or is that um, like Comic Con, one of the book panels for Del Rey Publishing. They were talking about this book and they were kind of selling it as like, oh, the must read book before you read, uh, before you see The Rise of Skywalker. If you don't see The Rise of Skywalker, you're really, if you don't read Resistance Reborn before The Rise of Skywalker, you're really missing out. And I'm like, oh, because ever since uh, Rogue One and the book that came before that, Catalyst, I'm like, oh, okay, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Catalyst was one of those books that I have no idea how you – or I don't know how you would understand the character of Director Krennic without reading Catalyst because in the movie he's just a guy. He's a guy that's full of himself, and it's not really explained at all why he's full of himself. He's just there for no other reason than we need a villain. Shoehorn him into the plot. Uh, so when they said that Resistance Reborn was going to be one of those stories that you had to read before seeing the film, I'm like, okay, I'm sold. So reading this, I was kind of waiting for that like giant moment or just like the like a giant just like narrative push to be like, oh, I get it. This is why this is so important. And then in reality, I was like, oh, I I didn't need to read this. Like, don't be wrong. It's not like you. I felt like I wasted my time. Because A, this book didn't take that long to read, and B, uh, not because there's not anything interesting that doesn't go on during it, but for a book that has like Ray, Leia, like and uh, Wedge and Tilly's on the cover, they don't play a huge role. Again, this book is very much a it's a story about the resistance, I guess, just to lay out some of the plot right now. The book essentially takes place like about a week after the Battle of uh Crate, after The Last Jedi. From uh, Star Wars Explains videos on this, and I'll link to them in the show notes. He did a fantastic job both in his review and his uh, 30 like facts pulled from the book. This book essentially takes place right after the, I think, the Charles Soule comic that was like the immediate aftermath of The Last Jedi. So they're, they're doing a pretty good job of building continuity going into The Rise of Skywalker. But the basic plot of it is that uh, the Resistance is on the run. They really have no like place to like set up a base. They don't even have kind of like a a hoth or anything like that. So they go to Ryloth, which you'll know if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, to set up like a temporary base because Leia can call in a favor. Somebody on Ryloth owes her some favors back during the um the Galactic Empire days and even like the, the 30 years between where we are now and the original trilogy. So we go there. They set up a temporary base. And I guess kind of the best way maybe to go through this book is kind of character by character. And I'll start off with the characters on the cover of the book, which are uh, Ray, Poe, Finn, Leia, and Wedge and Tilly's. Uh, first, if you're going into this book wanting anything to do with Ray, you are out of luck. Ray pretty much has no role in this. She's she's mentioned in a few chapters as kind of being there, and she's very angsty. She's very on edge, and that's kind of the furthest extent we get of her as character or not even as characters, her involvement with the story at all. Um, I think it's definitely misleading that she's on the cover because she really has no role in this. And I get it. I, I would imagine all of Ray's character stuff is being saved for the film. But still, to have her on the cover is very misleading. Uh, even Leia and Finn. Uh, Finn shows up more toward the last third of the book. This this book is pretty much uh, a story that's broken down into thirds. There's kind of like the first third is uh, build up. The second is, or the first third is more kind of like okay what do we do now that like 
we have nowhere to go. And they, like I said, they, they find Ryloth and they set up shop on Ryloth. The, the second act of the book is essentially, okay, now that we're set up, what do we do? How do we start to rebuild this? And the third act is, okay, we're going to execute that plan now that we have it from the second act. And that's essentially it. Uh, but going back to the characters, Finn really doesn't show up until that last third act in any sort of meaningful way. He's there for the whole story, but like he's just kind of like his name's sprinkled in every once in a while. Same for like Rose, Lieutenant Connix. Uh, Leia, Leia has a bigger part of the first act of the story, but after that, she's kind of just there. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't know how much of the episode nine script or story Rebecca Roanhorse was given prior to writing this because how they're setting up Leia, Leia is almost and this is me more inferring, Leia's almost like terminally ill from the events of The Last Jedi. Apparently what she did, Space Mary Poppins kind of took its toll on her. They they throw like lines of dialogue in there like, oh, like Leia's never going to give up. Leia's never going to sit there. She always has the fight. Her fire's never going to burn out. But they make a very big point of like, okay, Leia is tired. She is, she's really kind of like on her last breath. She can't be doing this forever. She's, it's only a matter of time until she gives out. And I don't, again, I don't have a problem with that though, but I think that's very interesting. That's how they're positioning her going into the rise of Skywalker, considering that I don't think we have a lot of Leia content going into this. That's so uh, focused on her as she is in this book. And like I said, she's really, she's there for the whole story, but really the first act is hers to kind of work with. Um, if anything, this this whole book is more or less a Poe Dameron story. And I think uh, one thing I do got to give this book real, a lot of credit for along with Rebecca Roanhorse. I know when I review a bunch of other books and my favorite example being Phasma, when you read the Phasma book and you kind of compo- or compare her to um, how she's portrayed in the movies and the comics, you can tell that it's different people writing the character. In this, all the characters are streamlined. Everything, whether it be Leia, Poe, Finn, Rose, every single one of them you believe is a continuation of how we saw them previously. And I think that really is hats off to Rebecca Roanhorse because it's not just our main cinematic heroes that are focused on here. We have a ton of a ton of the like ancillary characters and i'm sorry we have a ton of the secondary and tertiary characters that get some a nice spotlight on them characters that you'd never think would show up again be so prominent in a star wars story especially one being billed as the must read story before you go into episode nine um we get Wedge and Tilly's. We get Nora Wexley from the Aftermath trilogy. We get Shriv and Zay Versio from Star Wars Battlefront 2. You get a bunch of these characters, and there's even characters from the comics that I weren't even, wasn't even aware of, like a Soralinda, who was apparently in the, the Poe Dameron comic. And you get, uh, of course, other characters like Snap, Wexley, Temin, if you remember him from the Aftermath trilogy, uh, Jessica Pava. You get some really nice character moments like that, and even some new ones sprinkled in. Like even at one point, kind of like the biggest reveal of this book, and I have a hard time calling it a spoiler, but it kind of felt like a spoiler. Is um, General Raiken from Empire Strikes Back shows up to help Leia, and first I'm like, yeah, that's neat. I never expected to see him back. And two, I'm like. Wouldn't he be dead by now? But hey, who, who am I to judge? Uh, Luke and Obi-Wan died, look like horrible, horrible old men in their like late 50s. And giant General Raikin looked like a man in his late 50s back in the 80s or back during the Empire Strikes Back's continuity timeline. So I don't know how he's still kicking in this time, but hey, hats off to him. Uh, he must moisturize. But no, that was kind of the biggest thing with this book is that all these characters are kind of thrown in from all different like Oh God, media, whether it be the, the the TV shows, the movies, the comics, the games. And 
you believe that they're the same character. They don't feel forced. They all feel like, oh, this is the continuation of the characters based on even the briefest of moments they had. Like Zay Versio, who's the daughter of Aiden Versio, she's in the game for like maybe five minutes. Yet, like, oh, I believe this is the further stories of Zay Versio. And I'm like, that's great. I love that. I love it when it feels like we're, we're fleshing out the universe. We're not just getting punched in the face with nostalgia. And I love that. I thought that was great. That's probably this, this book's greatest triumph is that it's able to flesh out the tertiary characters so well. And even Shriv, like Shriv's one of my favorite characters of like the non-movies. He's a, a Duros that helped the rebellion during the events of Star Wars Battlefront. And uh, he's fun. He's a, he's a fantastic character, and I love him in this. He has some great uh, character development and growth. And it's like, wow, I never expected that from this book. And I get it. Like, obviously, moments like that are at the cost of having Ray and Leia focused. But really, if I had my druthers, the cover art wouldn't have Leia or Ray. It would have like Shriv, Zay Versio, Nora Wexley, Snap Wexley, all these other kind of characters that really they might not be on the cover, but they really are given their their fair shake in this. And that's if you love any of this, I kind of like the, again the tertiary characters from the non movies you're gonna love this book uh but getting to the overall plot of it what it is like i said that the first act is that they have to figure out where to go they find out they can stage stage their base <laughs> there's not much of a base to stage on ryloth for the first act the second act is then coming up with a plan in order to uh, get some ships to help the uh, resistance because at this point they practically have no ships and by the third act, it's essentially they have to go to uh, Corellia to steal a bunch of ships. And I guess, too, I, should, I, I forgot to mention this, is um, the third act is uh, like a three-way plot between um, – or two – it's a three-way plot in the sense of like what's going on because they're all going on different missions to do things. But the the three-way plot – two of the plots take place on Corellia where on the, the – Oh god, the dichotomy on Corellius plots are Poe and Finn are at a party trying to win a list that has a bunch of first order like uh, P uh, POWs. And the second part of Corellia is Wedge and Tilly's and Nora Wexley trying to steal a bunch of ships. And that plot is a lot of fun because we do have an antagonist in this. We have a first order bad guy. He doesn't really cross into the main plot of Resistance Reborn as a story much, but it kind of shows you how kind of evil the first order is and how most people who are working for the first order are only doing it because they don't have any choice. They kind of like the first order shows up to your planet, kind of puts a gun to your back and says, work with us or else. And a lot of people are being kind of like forced into that life. And the moment the resistance shows up, they're like, okay, I'll go with you guys. You guys have it all figured out. And that's kind of, I would imagine what the, uh, the resistance is going to be in episode nine. If we're supposed to glean anything meaningful from resistance reborn is that it's not going to be hard for the resistance to really, uh, boost its numbers because a lot of people who work for the first order or who were quote unquote drafted into service never wanted to in the moment they're able to walk away, they will. And that's, that's the vibe I'm getting though. But no, the, the Corellia stuff is a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, but it's, it's a very pulpy star Wars story. You're really going to like that part. The last third really is star Wars, with the capital SW. It's a lot of fun. And that's what this book is. This book is not going to enhance your understanding of the star Wars universe, like master and apprentice did, but it's a really fun star Wars story that you can like read in the weekend. And, uh, the second part of the third act that doesn't involve Corellia, but again, a nice little tie into other star, wars media that isn't the movies it involves uh shriv and zay versio going to braca 
the uh, scrapper planet from Jedi Fallen Order, where they have to go uh, basically steal a bunch of New Republic ships that the First Order are trying to destroy. And you know, that part of the book is very brief. It's only maybe about like 20 to 30 pages. It is. It's a lot of fun seeing a planet that's wholly brand new to Star Wars get such a highlight in Episode Nine related media. So uh, again, I don't want to go into specifics. So by, in all honesty, when it comes to this book, if you just want a fun Star Wars story to read, pick this book up. Uh, I have a hard time recommending you buy it because it's again to spend like twenty twenty five dollars on this. Whether you do it through an audio book or through a physical copy or a digital copy, you will breeze through this in like. God, I would say in like a Sunday afternoon. So to spend $20 on about a couple hours of entertainment kind of feels like a little bit of a, a rip. Again, as always, I got my copy from my local library. If your local library has a copy of this, I would definitely request it. And I don't. I have to say, even if you don't read it until after uh, episode nine is out, I still think you'll have a lot of fun with it because there really is a lot of fun moments centered on the characters. I would imagine this book has done a better job of focusing on the characters and probably episode nine will because it just doesn't have that um, baggage of having to explain things like like uh, like what's Ray up to, what's her conflict with Kylo Ren. Uh, no mention of Kylo Ren or anything like that. The First Order is, is is here in the story, but it's pretty much more of a rank and file perspective on the First Order. No mention of him at all. Well, okay, he is mentioned, but I think in the first chapter when Ray and Leia are talk, Ray and Leia are talking to each other, and then that's it. He's never mentioned again. And uh, yeah, that's that's it though. It's it's a fun book. Uh, read it if you have some spare time on a weekend afternoon. And it's not going to cost you a fortune. And I guess you should say as a disclaimer is that when I originally was looking at my local library for this, um, they first had the audio book like with all like 10 to 20 CDs available. And I'm like, oh, if I want to get this out before the movie comes out, I probably should do that because they didn't put the book up. Until like like a week or two after it already uh, had come out, so I got the li- I got the audio book from the library, and I genuinely couldn't stand it. Maybe that's just my own personal taste. I hate audio books. I know a lot of people like that sort of thing, but I, I think I listened to the first CD, which was about an hour long, and I had to turn it off. And I'm like, no, I'd rather not have the episode out and just read the book when it eventually comes out because the audio book made me want to pull my hair out. Um, I was losing my mind. I thought it was just like, again, uh, nothing against the narrator though, but it seemed like every single voice he did was. Like he had no differentiation in his voice. Every character sounded the same. So it'd be like Leia, like Leia's talking, and Leia feels this, 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 and then Poe's talking, and this, 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 and it's like the exact same voice for every character. The narrator didn't try to, th- in my opinion, I don't think tried at all to throw their voice even slightly, depending on which characters they were doing. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, Carrie Fisher and, and Oscar Isaac do not sound similar at all. And uh, again, I don't know why. The, the the narrator did that, but to each his own. Maybe that's how he he sees the characters. Uh, uh, more to him if that's how he feels. So uh, once again, folks, Resistance, Resistance Reborn was a fun little book. Check it out if you have any affinity for the non movie characters, whether that be comics, books, uh, video games, TV shows. Check it out; it's a lot of fun. A wholehearted recommendation. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you'll find it. Find us on Instagram, at KOV Podcast. 
shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you're interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt, make sure to check out knightsofvader.podbean.com or just check the show notes of this episode where there'll be a link waiting for you right there. Keep in mind that if you are interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt, they do take about, uh, about two weeks to get to you, sometimes sooner to depending on how fast the place we order them from uh, gets to your order. But if you do want one of these bad boys for the Rise of Skywalker, make sure to order it ASAP, because at this point, the Rise of Skywalker is only two weeks away. For questions, comments, concerns, or snipe remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodies. You can also hear me talk movies on the Cinemodies podcast, where we'll, where we'll be delving into our new series, December Plus, where Rob and I will be highlighting all sorts of Disney films that aren't available on Disney Plus, despite the fact that they told you that everything would be on there, because that's what Disney does, folks. They lie to you to get your money. As long as the check clears, they don't care what they have to say to get your money. So this week, we will be talking about Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is the only film in December Plus, which is on Disney Plus, because it is a whole context episode basically explaining to you or explaining to the audience how Disney operates. It's a film that takes place during the Michael Eisner, Jeffrey Katzenberg era, essentially a 90-minute film revolving around the Disney renaissance of animation. So if you're inclined about Disney or how the company works, I think it's a must-listen-to episode if you're a fan of any of my entertainment ramblings on this podcast. So make sure to check it out. Waking Sleeping Beauty on Cinemodies. And make sure to also check out Zanger's show, Zang This, and One, Russ's two, show, The Unbelievers Podcast, both available wherever podcasts can be heard. And with that being said, folks, good night, but not goodbye. And as always, remember Alderaan and down with the Empire. <laughs>